My favorite part is when I moan in that, when I go, uh, uh, uh. That's my moaning, too. I didn't hire an extra or a voice actor. I didn't get Kristen Bell or Adina Menzel. I got none of the big singers to do that. That was all me, baby. I do my own stunts. I do my own sex voice stunts. I do, I do, I do. Do. Okay, so we are now 186 days into the lockdown, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dead, and you know what that means. You're gonna die soon, you're gonna die soon, it's not cold in here, you're just dying. You're gonna die soon, you're gonna die soon, you in the back, you are dying soon. Obviously, my favorite part of that little song that I play now at the beginning of every show, and as I will continue to do at the beginning of every show while we are being decimated by this pandemic, is you in the back, you are dying soon. And I also like, we're all going to die, but not as soon as you guys. Okay, so serious news. Speaking of death, since death is on the table. We are still shaken by the news that we learned yesterday. And I use we as the royal we, meaning myself, but also as everyone. I know everybody listening to this is. I went through many stages of grief after I learned the news. I cried. I was angry. I was scared. I became kind of a petulant child thinking, well, how can I show the world how upset I am? We all had questions. What does this mean for our collective future? I mean, when I got that email notifying me yesterday that I was a strong candidate but did not win the National Communication Association's Gay and Lesbian Division Randy Majors Award, I, I was in shock. Like most of you, I was in shock. <laughs> it was. It was just a bad day yesterday from soup to nuts. I woke up. The very first thing that I do when I wake up is I grab my iPad. I have blurry eyes and I go to read my email and I got an email saying, thanks, but no thanks. And you just think, oh my gosh, I'm being such a baby over not getting an award. Do I have to be such a baby about it? I mean, can't I just shrug and go, okay, well, I'll try again next year. No, I have to internalize it like I'm the biggest piece of shit and that people don't understand the complexities of my work or how much have I, I've contributed to gay and lesbian scholarship. Like I internalize it as, as, it, as if it's some, some, some inherent fault of mine rather than what it really is. It's like an award and great people are up for it every year. And, and you think you're having a bad day because you didn't win some award and then the iconic Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies and that puts everything into perspective for you. And let me just say, I'm not doing a whole thing on Ruth Bader Ginsburg during this podcast. I just want to kind of acknowledge it for five minutes and then move on because I know that people are still, um, it's still raw. They still feel raw dogged by it, right? And so I don't want to. I don't want to get into it too much. Suffice to say that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a feminist icon. I mean, who can forget 
her confirmation hearings when she provided earnest answers to patriarchal, hard-hitting questions. Like when that one uh, brassy-haired senator asked her, well, uh, uh, Ms. Ginsburg, tell us about your education. And, and Ruth replied, PhDs and master degrees to put on my wall in academia, but I have a master degree in being played by men, used by men. Or, or when that other senator from the southern state asked her how female felons should be treated in court, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg responded, Don't let every man hit the bottom of your vagina, the root of your vagina. But they and don't you, know about the bottom. They don't know about the bottom. Yeah, that bottom, when, but see, every man may not know because he might not have a penis to really know how to hit that bottom or how to lift to hit that bottom and work that middle with a woman she spread her legs wide and she started screaming saying, yeah, daddy, that's it. Or she might start cursing or screaming out all types of profanities because he done hit the bottom. And now her mind, she insane. Her mind ain't good because the penis done ejaculated all in her brain. The penis ejaculated all in her brain insanity defense, which has now gotten off millions of women from killing people. I, a trailblazer. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg, her, her uh, nuanced take on gender disparities in the criminal justice system when she's on the record as saying, and I have the audio. The man that is living to ejaculate, he's in a predator mode. And when a man is in a predator mode, he's going to look for the weaknesses of a woman, a woman that's, that's lonely. Her vagina is cold. She's laying in bed at night playing with her toys. Or she's got a man beside her. He's a good provider, but he's not hitting the walls and working the middle. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. I, it really is such a it's such a sad state of affairs. I did take one and a half out of van last night before I went to bed. Normally, I wouldn't take an out of van, but I was so on edge with the news of her passing, and and we don't even get to properly mourn. You immediately have to go into predator mode. You have to go it you go into battle mode, like. What role do I have to play in fighting this demon battle turtle, Mitch McConnell, and his six cursed chins of Azkaban? Like, what do I have to do? And sure enough, the corpse isn't even cold. Like, the ink from her death notice is still wet, like my vagina. And already, already on the very day she died, this ogre is like, oh, well, they're, you know, I have to, he has all those chins, right? Like me, right before I started Noom. He's like, oh, well, uh, we are definitely going to vote, bring it to a vote on uh, the Senate floor. Trump's nominee is definitely going to get a vote. It's disgusting. But remember when Scalia died, and I know you all know this because I have a very intelligent audience, that Obama still had 300, over 300 Ds left in his presidency. And McConnell was like, well, the American people should get a say in the next justice because we're so close to the election. But he's already went on record chuckling at the fact that he, his hypocrisy like is somehow like endearing. Like, oh, it's so cute. Oops, I farted in public. <laughs> Ladies aren't supposed to fart. Truth be told, I don't know how much 
fight I have left in me. That was part of it. I already feel like I'm dealing with this COVID exhaustion where I haven't had COVID yet, but I've been in lockdown and I've really minded the lockdown rules and I see all these people going on vacations and taking pictures with their friends at bars and going to restaurants and Shanae Waini crossing it up. And here I am, and I feel like all of these people are taking advantage of my diligence, my care for them. And it's that is exhausting, right? Going into the November election is exhausting. And, and then on top of that, I mean, I just feel like I'm at the end of my rope. Now we're going to add a Supreme Court tooth and nail battle to the mix. I just want to disengage. I know that's not the politically um, right thing to say. Notice I didn't say politically correct, but I mean politically like engaged thing to do. Um, but I just can't, I, like I'm just wondering if I can just high school my way out of gym class and bring like a fucking doctor's note to this battle. Oh, I gotta leave early today. <laughs> I'm having my uterus scraped. Oh, I, uh, I brought a note. I know, I read the note. We all read the note. We all read the note. Whenever I was a kid, because I was a late-life child for my father, he was 56 when I was born. And so I, I had trouble waking up in the morning. I always miss first period or second period. And uh, and by that, I mean I got pregnant and was having abortions left and right, left and right in the school cafeteria, in the gymnasium. gymnasium. It was just an abortion factory at my high school. Just kidding. I lived in Texas. And uh, where did you think I went to high school? Planned Parenthood? I mean, please get real. But my dad would just let me write my own notes. Like, it was always an excused absence as long as you had a note from your parent. So I would just show up, and I was like, Dad, can I forge your name on a note? And he's like, yeah, just don't even ask anymore. Just write the note. And so the people eventually at the attendance office, they stopped calling my father to confirm if it was a legit absence or, you know, whatever. But look, I turned out fine. I turned out fine, and so can you. Okay, so another thing that's been kind of on my mind this week, as it's been for the past month and a half, is Big Brother. And I realize that not a lot of my audience watches Big Brother, so I'm just going to try to give the Cliff's Notes version. So even if you don't watch it, maybe you can understand. So this season is an all-stars season. And I say that loosely because I would say maybe a quarter of the cast were legit all-stars people who deserve to be brought back. And then the rest of them were not whatsoever. And, and by their, and this isn't just me being like shady. Like even they acknowledge like, oh, we're not really all-stars. We're the people who agreed to do it. Um, okay. So evidently Big Brother All-Stars 2 sucks in part and has such a shitty cast in part because many of the people that production initially wanted to be on the show couldn't because they had COVID, okay? So CBS, like, tested them, and they, and they had to pass multiple tests, COVID tests, and one of the people from my season was the winner of my season who was Hayden. And... 
I guess they had to tell Hayden, sorry, you can't participate on the All-Star season because you have COVID. And Hayden, for the record, I really like him. He's a nice guy, but he lives in Arizona. He's an avid Trump supporter uh, who probably believes that COVID is a Democratic hoax and that you get only when you wear a mask. And now he can't play because of it, you know? And I'm sure he was like, what do you mean I have, I don't have COVID. I don't have any symptoms. Well, there must be some mistake. I'm not sick. Except for the burning sensation and the discharge, I feel fine. And also, so instead of him, you got Enzo, who is horrible and said homophobic things about me on my season. You also got this woman named um, uh, Nicole Franzel. Kazawazawa. Yeah. Isn't she lovely, everyone? I said, isn't she lovely, everyone? She's lovely! That's exactly how I imagine the pitch was when they were like, let's bring Nicole Franzel back. Like, this is her third time to come back, and she's not interesting, she's not cute, she's not smart. Like, I I don't understand. She's the most hated house guest this season among viewers. And so, But somebody in production has a hard-on for her. So I'm just going to replay that Strangers with Candy clip so we can so we can appreciate it. You know, they're like, I have an idea. What about Nicole Franzel? Isn't she lovely, everyone? Uh, I said, isn't she lovely, everyone? She's lovely. <laughs> right, like that production team knows to fall in line or they'll lose their jobs. What kind of name is Franzel? Isn't there a, isn't Franzel the name of a box wine? Franzel or Franzia or something? Hi, I'm Nicole Franzel of the Franzel box wine fortune. Yes, yes, it's true. Nicole has allegedly hooked up with many, many of the past male house guests from Big Brother. Should I remove my clothes? I don't think so. Are you sure? I'm positive. Why don't I remove my pants and panties? <laughs> Why don't I remove my pants and panties? I can see that happening every time she goes into the diary room. She walks into the diary, begins to strip. Should I remove my clothes? I don't think so. Are you sure? I'm positive. Why don't I remove my pants and panties? My pants. Look. My pants and panties. Sorry, I know I just played two clips twice in a row, but they're funny and strangers and candy. So let me tell you about the latest controversy going on in the house. The latest controversy is um, involves a guy named Memphis. I can just end it there, right? There's a guy on the show named Memphis. Case closed. He doesn't belong on the show. There's no reason why he should be on the show. He's on the show because the guy they really wanted on, this guy named Dan, who he's friends with, I guess couldn't do it or didn't want to do it. So I guess we'll take Dan Light, right? So they have this guy named Memphis on the show. And um, at any rate, he's not cute. He, he's he got the personality of Dirty Dishwater. I just don't understand it. This whole season is a big question mark. I feel like I'm watching a Batman movie and the Riddler's on it. And like the riddle we have to solve is... Why this cast? What? So at any rate, um, Memphis and his 
coven of white boring witches in the house had been making fun of a player named Ian and Ian this season came out of the disability closet and in this really tender beautiful moment he uh, self-disclosed that he is on the spectrum and so as somebody on the spectrum he he's one of those people who has tics and um so like he'll he'll rock back and forth a lot and Memphis called him has repeatedly called him like I don't know if repeatedly but has called him red rum and um said that his autism tics are the stuff of nightmares and then all the white women in the house laughed because you know anytime a straight big guy like Memphis says something like that it's oh you're so funny and creative Memphis instead of somebody standing up to him like if I were in the house I would have stood up to him for saying something like that I would have been like this is fucked up and instead of defending Ian these white women pile on right they could have had his back but they don't they feed him to the lions they're like wait clearly she's retarded i mean if she wasn't she wouldn't be a suspect in the first place they they don't care that he's they're throwing him to the wolves because they want they're like jerry blank in that episode they want to go to good time island so they start denigrating him and disability shaming him and it's just fucking gross right have some strong people on the show who are going to call attention to shit like that and go, this is wrong. It's wrong. And really, this type of thing is my least favorite thing in the world. I think I may have talked about this in a previous show where somebody like Ian shares something that is so personal in this beautiful moment of vulnerability and people use that information as ammunition against him to demonize him and to scapegoat him and to vilify him and guess who got evicted this week in the same week that all these white women were laughing at memphis making fun of him he's the one that goes so yeah, that's just, it's fucking gross. It's gross, and I just wanted to call attention to it on my show. Okay, that was my friend Brad. I need to clearly, clearly go do not disturb because I'm doing a show right now, and it's not professional. It's not professional to bring in noises like that. Okay, um... And other reality TV show news. I watch the Real Housewives shows. I don't watch all of them. I don't watch the one uh, Potomac. I don't watch that. I have no interest in that uh, Dallas one. And I don't watch the... I'm not going to watch the Salt Lake City one, right? Like, does every city need a Real Housewives franchise? But I, my two favorites are Beverly Hills and New York. Those are my two, they're the best of franchise. And there's this woman on Beverly Hills and her name is Teddy Mellencamp. And you may recognize that last name because her father is the cougar, the coog, John Cougar. <laughs> there's a moment in uh, Strangers with Candy where Mr. Jellyneck it says, imagine that you're being chased by a, what did I tell you, Jerry? Imagine you're being chased by a cougar, a cougar. So, um, John Cougar Mellencamp's daughter, Teddy, she is an accountability expert on the show, which I don't even know what that is. 
She's an expert in accountability, and she has a diet program, and it's recently come under fire. And uh, she, and because she plays, you know, this accountability expert, she's always trying to get people to be accountable and own their stuff on the show. Okay, well, it's recently come to light that her diet program allegedly, if you're on it, you can't consume. Women can't consume more than five hundred calories a day in her quote unquote the name of it is the all in program when most adult women need like 2000 calories a day to lead a healthy life and this really resonates with me because I'm on Noom and I'm down I weighed myself I weigh 157 pounds my goal weight is 155 I was at 175 when I started this a couple of months ago so I feel like I'm doing it the right way and I'm never starving right and I'm consuming I consume roughly like 1300 to 1700 calories a day right but even then, I feel like, you know, maybe I should be eating a little bit more. But, but 500 calories a day is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. There's no excuse for that. And she's come out and defended her program, her, my all-in program. But she hasn't denied the fact that the diet is 500 calories a day, which is fucking disgusting. So, um, like, I just... Ugh. Yeah, we get the best results. That's what she said. Yeah, but why? by what method? I know plenty of skinny people who are addicted to crystal methamphetamine, but that's not a healthy, sustainable way to lose weight. Hi. I'm, I need music for this. Hold on. Where, where's music that I can play? Let's see if there's any music. Sample. Um, give me music. music to play oh maybe I can maybe I have the election music somewhere see I should have gotten music ready for this no I don't have any music y'all I don't have any music okay maybe I'll do it to shit list okay Hi, everybody. I'm Teddy Cougar Mellencamp, and I'm delighted to share our new weight loss program. Hundreds of you have already shed tens of pounds on my branded all-in starvation diet diet. Now it's time to take the next stop. I need more shit list. Now it's time for you to take the next stop and AIDS in where our licensed weight loss experts inject you with four super strains of HIV. That's right, many, many strains of HIV. I have AIDS. You have what? AIDS, Jay. Billions of them. Our goal is to get you to the latter stages of AIDS by the time you leave our palatious Malibu weight loss concentration camp camp. Our licensed skin estheticians will laser off your lesions and carposy sarcoma, giving you a full week of weighing 87 pounds or less with clear skin before you die. That's the Cougar Melon Camp Camp promise. 87 pounds 
Jones, lesion free for one week. So come join us at the Teddy Cougar Melon Camp Concentration Camp Camp. It's always going to be your home, AIDS way from home. Ba-dum, bum, ba-dum, bum. Do you like that? I wrote that monologue. I wrote that monologue right before I did the show. Hold on, I'm going to take a, a drink of my tea. I'm going to take a drink of my tea. While I do that, while I take a drink of tea, I'm going to show you the picture of Teddy Cougar Mellencamp so you can see it for yourself. Hold on. Teddy. Teddy Joe Mellencamp. That's her name. Teddy Joe. What's your name? I'm Teddy Joe. And the thing is, is that she, on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, she talks about how she used to have an eating disorder. I used to have an eating disorder, and now I have an ordered de- eating disorder. It's a regimented eating disorder. I think that's horrible. She's only, you can't drink at all in our program, which that makes sense to me, but 500 calories a day is just, that's a little, um, that's a little extreme. That's a little much, I think. I mean, I'm all for weight loss, but not that kind. Now, my friend Tabitha sent me, a message telling me that Hearthstone, not the video game, which I play all the time, but my neighborhood growing up, where I grew up, the suburban area in Cypress, Texas, um, the HOA has officially banned pride flags and Black Lives Matter signs. Because for the people in the neighborhood I grew up in, and this is very on brand for them, Black Lives Matter and Pride Flags are like poltergeist, like the movie Poltergeist, right? They're going to infect their children. They're going to try to steal their children. Sweetie, remember last night? Do you remember when you woke up and you see your hair? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, who did you mean? Who's here? TV people. The TV people. The people who we see marching in the streets for equal rights, for black people, so black people won't be killed, and 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 also people during Pride Month. Those people, the people that they show on VH1 and Bravo, with the drag race people, the TV people, they're here. We have to admit, I mean, Heather O'Rourke, God bless her soul, rest in peace, the little girl, the blonde girl, Carol Ann from Poltergeist, is such a horrible actress. <laughs> She's such a bad, I don't know what happened, but it seemed like all kid actors prior to the 1990s were really really bad actors. Honey, remember last night when you talked to us and you said they're here? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The TV people. I feel like kid actors have gotten so much better. I don't know if they're going to a Teddy Cougar Melon Camp Camp concentration camp for acting or what, but they have gotten a lot better. So, yeah, uh, I, it, this really resonates with me because I remember growing up, I lived across the street from this family called the Hoovers, and they were the fucking worst. They had Their mother was a bus driver, and she was an evil bitch. I could not stand her. And the father was just this, like, he had a mustache when it was, like, in the 1980s and 1990s when it just looked like, it's me, Mario, it's Luigi. But it, it, it just looked ridiculous on him not like mustaches look cool today 
this was like a douchebag mustache. And so they had two kids. They had Robbie and um, Keith that were around my age, just a couple years younger. And then they had two older kids. One of them ended up being a lesbian named Tammy Hoover. And the last time I saw her, she was coked up as hell at a club um, in in Houston called... uh, um, not numbers, uh, riches, allegedly, allegedly. And, but at the time she wasn't out of the closet and they had a party, the younger Hoovers, a pool party. And at one point they all saw my game room faced their backyard. So they saw that I was watching television in the game room and they got all the kids in this party and they hung out on their driveway and they started chanting, Reagan's a fag, Reagan's a fag, Reagan's a fag, over and over and over, louder, louder, louder for the longest time. It was like a fucking children of the corn situation. Reagan's a fag, Reagan's a fag, Reagan's a fag, Reagan's a fag, Reagan's a fag. Oh my God. I'm just now realizing, I don't know if any of my... It's very expensive. Oh my gosh, is none of my regular audio, my like sound effect audio come through? That will really be upsetting to me. It will be very, very upsetting to me at any rate. So um, you just had to roll with the punches, I guess. Not with the not with the Hoovers, but you know, when things don't technically work, that's that does make me sad. Well, maybe now, maybe it's something recent. I don't know. At any rate, that's neither here nor there. I'll figure it out after the end of the show. So um, their parents were awful. They let it happen. Um, you know, there were kids in my neighborhood whose parents forbade them for hanging out with me because they thought I was gay. This was like much longer before I even really even knew what that meant myself. So great parenting, Hoover's A plus plus. You raised some really great hoodlums, some great hoodlums. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at today. I mean, to tell you the truth, I didn't, I really didn't know if I was going to do a show today because I was so, I was so upset by what happened with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and just like, am I going to be able to do this? Like, am I going to be able to go and make light of something when I feel so sad? But really it's in those moments where, where you feel sad that you need to go to humor. You need to find the humor in situations or else it will just, it will eat you up and you have to fight. Even if you don't want to, even if you have a doctor's note, even if you have a late in life father who tells you you can write your own notes to get out of gym class or your first period class. you got to stick it through. And that's what I wanted to do for you today. I hope I brought you a little bit of laughter. Let's see, is there anything else I want to talk about? Um, let me look. Oh, I think that pretty much does it. I don't, I don't want to overdo it today. Not today. Not today. I mean, I do have kind of like a little high from all this tea that I've been drinking. Uh. Oh, before I go, I do want to tell you, anytime I s- stumble upon a new television show that I like, 
I find it important to share that information with the group. So on HBO Max, they have this show called, um, have you ever heard, seen the, the great Brit British Bake Off? I love that show. I stopped watching it because it made me too hungry and I was buying all, you know, like food to bake. And I spent all this money on getting like a, um, a mixer and, you know, and, and of course, anytime I get anything, it has to be high end. It has to be a very, very expensive. And uh, but, so I had to stop watching The Great British Bake Off because it was making me want to bake food, which I love baked goods. So instead, they have a show that's basically a clone of it on CBS Ma or um, HBO Max, where um, it's something like Britain's Next Great Potter. And it's it's basically the same format as the baking show, except it's people making pottery and using a kiln. What's a kiln? Uh, so I recommend it. I, I like watching people do things that I can't do, but of course I'm already I'm only one episode and I'm and I'm already like I want to take pottery classes. Like I can never just watch something and just go, oh, okay, this is interesting. Like I have to think, well, could I be on Project Runway? Could I be on the British British Potting Show? I can learn to throw a clay and then to glaze it. And then, and then to heat it up in the kiln. What's a kiln? What's a kiln? Okay, so the very last thing that I want to do is number two. Okay, hold on. Let me force quit my Farajo, which is not responding, which is just great. I love it when these technical difficulties emerge during the show. I want to end with, because we're bookended by Nightmare on Elm Street, okay? We're bookended by it. So if any of you remember, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince had a Freddy Krueger rap, and that is what we are going to watch right now to close things out. Assuming... Doctor, what It's just not working. None of it's working. So maybe I just need to end the show here. I was really excited to do. Well, it's just not working. So we're going to unceremoniously end the show. It should have been a nightmare on my street wrap, but... This is what you get when you have a computer that's this old and your mom spends all of her American Express points on flying to Los Angeles instead of giving them to you so you can get a new iMac so you can produce content regularly with all, all these bells and hiccups. I hope you all feel accountable. This is all your fault. And the last thing I'll say is make sure that you go and you go on to Fox in the City, um, the, the, the page. I have it listed up here, foxinthecity.thefoxhole of Reagan, a group for Reagan Fox's podcast. And, you know, it's important to like stuff. You know, like I, I post stuff and people don't like it or they don't leave comments. And that just makes me feel like it. I feel like I'm not heard and I need to know I'm being heard. I need to know I'm being heard. I need you to talk back. I need you to disagree with me. I need you to give me content. If you find clips that you think are funny, that's the only payment that I ask for.
That's the only payment that I asked for, but I hope you have a very good night, a good Saturday night. I'm going to have a great one because I'm going to take a Benadryl, and I'm going to be high on Benadryl, and then I'm going to pass out like I'm Joan Crawford in the bed. Oh, my God, mommy's dead. She's not dead, Christina. She's drunk. <laughs>